We're in a great series called Building a Nation, Building a Nation. And I wanted to do this series in particular because I wanted to make sure that we, the church, were not getting lost in the noise and getting lost in what's going on around us so that we could know what our role is. Now, when I say birthing a nation, I'm not talking about us birthing one. I'm saying that God is rebirthing a nation, that God gave birth to a nation thousands of years ago in the, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord King Jesus Christ. And that nation must be activated in this time period, I believe so, in my life. So I wanted to do this series, and again, I thank Josh for opening it up for uh, those three sermons, getting us prepared. Today, I want to finish what I started last week. So I want to talk to you today from this title, uh, The Big Idea 2. <laughs> the Big Idea 2. The Big Idea 2. We want to revisit some concepts and some ideas that, um, that will help us. Now, you are never upgraded by what you can do. You're never upgraded by what you can do. Don't listen to everywhere you work while I tell you I'm already in it. So deep, quick. You're never upgraded for what you can do. Don't, don't ever think you're going to get a promotion by what you do. You're never promoted by what you do. If you do a job real well, you're telling the boss to keep you there. You're never going to be promoted. And you're never going to be, be promoted in God just by what you do. That was so good. You're never promoted by what you do. You're promoted by what you know. Even if you can do a thing, but you can't teach anybody how to do it, you're never promoted. But because you know, but because you know not just what to do, you know how to teach it. You know how to pass it on. Now you can replace your boss in places he or she doesn't need or want to be. The same way in the kingdom. You're not promoted by what you do. You're not promoted. You're not promoted by what you do. You're promoted by what you know and understand. And if we, if we know, uh, 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 so, so I was standing, just a one-minute story, I was standing next to, uh, uh, next to the coach of our college team as he was training some great athletes that would go on to play in the NFL. And uh, he said something that was really strange to me. I was studying sports, but he was leading the team. He said, I'd rather have the third string player in the game as long as they know how to lead the team on the field. Just knowing the play wasn't good enough for him. He wanted a person on the field that understood the concept of the play so that he could explain to everybody what they're supposed to be doing and where everybody else is. I believe the kingdom operates the same way. And sometimes we can get bored with concepts. We can get bored with not just what we're doing, but why. Why are we here this morning? They say there's a pandemic, and you're in church. You're sitting in this building. Some of you have brought your children. You have masks on. This is the most uncomfortable place you've ever been. But you're here this morning because you want to really know not just what we're doing, but why. What is this all about? What's the bottom line to what God is doing? And I'm telling you right now, every system in the world that has been crying out for leadership, 
Every system that's been crying out for someone to understand it in a way that it can be passed on, all those systems are crying out and weeping and calling for leadership. And that's why you're here. That's why your life is under such pressure. That's why you're thinking differently. That's why you're being exposed to different rooms. That's why you're reading different stuff. That's why you're being introduced to different concepts. That's why you're meeting different people. Because God is expanding you so that you can begin to take over systems that have been crying out for righteous leadership. Am I making sense? So let's go through this. Let's talk about ideas. Ideas... Ideas, ideas, you said it sounds a little bit like last Sunday. Yes, I want to finish this up. Ideas are very important. Why are ideas important? Because ideas produce everything. They produce the mask you have on, the chair you're sitting in, the building we're, li- the building we're sitting in, everything that you experience with your hands, your eyes, your ears, your taste, your smell. Everything you experience was simply an idea first in the invisible. So ideas produce everything. Say out loud, I'll never despise my ideas. Never despise your ideas because ideas are the most creative thing on on the universe. So ideas now are important, are more important than life and death. Ideas are more important than, than you dying. Ideas are more important than you being in the grave. Do you know why? Because if you introduce an idea and it spreads, when you die, the idea does not die. The ideas never die. You can't destroy them. You can shoot the man. You can shoot the woman. But the problem is once their idea is out there, you can't shoot an idea. You can't kill it with a bullet. You can't blow it up with the bomb. You can't really assassinate it with your words. Because once that idea is out there and it's worked for a few people and they understand it, it is alive now. And the more, the, the more you attack the idea, you make the person who had the idea a martyr. You begin to make them bigger in the eyes of other people. And there is an idea called kingdom that everybody made small. Everybody laughed at it. Everybody, nobody liked it. They ridiculed it. They didn't want to hear anything about it. And now this is all they want to hear. Because nothing else right now is working. And now the systems of the world, people are finally crying out for help. What do we do? How do we do this? How, what is righteousness? Everybody's asking now, what is righteousness? What is fairness? Uh, how do we be fair to everybody? Because they don't know. And the church has been sitting here getting you ready to go to heaven that don't need you. The church has been sitting here preparing millions of people to go to heaven. And now that the world is calling on us, we're like, let us pray. They don't need prayer right now. They don't need somebody to pray. They need somebody to walk into the room and say, this is what we need to do. And it's my job. Me, me, me and Lenny, I call her Lenny, you can't. But me and Lenny, the reason we came here and stayed here is to raise up a people that know what to do and why to do it. 
We got to have, yeah, we got to have some people who know how to shout, dance, roll around on the floor, speak in tongues, lift up our hands and wave flags. We got to have that every day. But we also got to have some people who know how to put on a suit and walk into a business office and walk into a boardroom and say, listen, let me set this board up for you. Let me show you how to run this corporation. You don't walk in there, shop, ba, 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 ba. You walk in there and say, number one, this is what we're going to do. Number two, this is what we're going to do. We got to have both kings and priests and I'm ahead of myself. To me, if a billion people go to heaven, I'm like Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. I'm happy for it. But if we don't have at least a million show up on earth. What good is heaven if earth goes to hell in a handbasket? Watch this now. There is nothing new under the sun. Solomon said, in other words, Solomon said, and some of you are too young to know, but there is no new idea. Anything introduced to you on Twitter, go to Google. You can find it. Anything you think is new on Facebook, there's nothing new under the sun. The same concepts that others have used to manipulate people, those same concepts are being used now. There's nothing new. So don't be mad at the person using the concept. All they're doing is looking back in history and know that it worked on you 50 years ago. But if you begin to understand the concepts of the kingdom, none of it will matter. And that's what I'm going to show you today. Lastly, ideas control the world. Dead men's ideas control the world you live in now. Plato, Socrates, the democratic system. Can I tell you something and you can look it up? Do you know, do you know what... Do you know what democracy means? Do you know why they started democracy? Do you understand the power of democracy? I don't think you do. Do you know what democracy means? The concept. The concept of democracy is this. Give us the power to vote for what we want, and we will eventually vote to kill ourselves. I'm, I'm going home, babe. Can we leave now? Democracy was created by the Greeks so that you would agree one day to vote to kill yourself so that they could have the world. And we are still living in dead men's ideas. Lord have mercy, that was too good to me. So now we got to stick to precepts. Come on, say precepts. I want to give you a few more. Let's roll them out, y'all. Psalms 119, 56. Psalms 119, 56, put it in your notes. This is what he says. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. David said, my practice is not necessarily studying, reading, praying, and getting a message from God and getting a word from God. What I'm going to do every day is I'm just going to study your precepts. My practice is your precepts. My practice is your concepts. My practice is not just what are you doing, God, but why are you doing it? 
Verse 27, listen to what it says. It said, let me understand the teaching of your precepts, then I will meditate on your wonders. Watch what David is saying. David says, when I go look at the ocean, when I go look at the 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 wonders of the world, the first thing I do is not go, wow, that is amazing. The first thing I do is I study your precepts. Because once I understand your precept, I understand why the ocean is so beautiful. I understand why the planets are in the, I understand the expansion of the universe, all your wonders, because I understand your precept. And your precept is that you're king and you're glorious and you're wonderful. So when I see anything wonderful, it's you. Come on, talk to me. Don't study the wrong thing. Uh, uh, 69th verse. Uh Uh-oh. Here's how you, I don't believe in haters, but if you believe in them, let me show you how to deal with them. I don't have one hater. And at least a person that thinks they hate me, all I got to do is ask somebody to go through their stuff and see if they're successful. You know something? I've never been hated on by a successful person. Not now time. Sorry, Mississippi. (laughs) <laughs> not once <laughs> watch, watch what he says read it out loud you might like it I'm not going to pay much attention to the arrogant I'm not going to pay much attention to those who smear my name I'm not going to snap back clap back respond back give any words to those anybody or any system that has something to say about me. It's a waste of my time to do that. I can never change what you think of me. And that's not my job. My job is to pay attention to the precepts of God. So when someone says something about you, tries to block your way, tries to shut something down, or tries to do something in your face, don't worry about that at all. Go back to God and say, God, I want to understand your precepts. How do your precepts work? Ignore all that. I want to understand your precepts. Who are you? Who am I? If they rejected Jesus, they're supposed to reject me. I'm his brother. So I can't spend much time on these things. I have to get involved in your precepts. Last one, the 45th verse. Listen to what he says. I will walk about in freedom. Why? I have sought out your precepts. I'm going to be free every day because I know your precepts. I'm going to be free if there are eggs in the grocery store or not. I'm going to be free if they say I lose my job or not. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be free if I get COVID or not. I'm going to be free if I lose my house during this pandemic or not. I'm going to live in a free world. Why? Because I have confidence in your precept. Here's one precept of God if you've never heard it. If you've never heard this precept, this is how God thinks. And David said a lot of this because he's the only one that got the kingdom. God said, I'm going to look for a man after my own precepts. David said stuff like this. I know I'm going to have some weeping nights. 
I'm not expecting a life without weeping. I'm not expecting a clean life where everything happens. If I'm going to be your king, he says, I know there are going to be some nights where I weep. But I know what happens in the morning time. It's a precept of God. That night cannot last always. What's important is what you do during your night season. Whatever you do during your night season is going to be a picture of what happened when the sun rises. And what doors open for you after you have gone through your trial. God opens other doors because by the morning time you have toughened up and You've gotten wiser. You've let some friends go that really weren't friends at all. You've dropped some of your stupid ideas about yourself. And you've just decided I'm going to be me because if I wasn't perfect when he sent me, he would have never sent me. There's nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with my ideas, nothing wrong with my family, nothing wrong with what's going on in my life, even if it's not perfect. And once you get into the concepts of God, now you got 60 to 70% of your brain that's free. Because you're no longer thinking about what happened, who did something, how I feel, my history, and other manipulations that may be coming at you from different places in the world. I think I'm making sense. Am I making sense? So watch this now. Here is the purpose for the earth. You've heard it, but I want to get this to you so we understand birth in this nation, uh, the, the God's big idea. Watch what he says in Isaiah 45. It says, for this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He created the heavens, he's God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. So he created the heavens, now he's going to create earth. Why? Read it loud. He did not create it to be empty. But he formed it to be inhabited. Then he says these words. He says, I am the Lord. And there is not another one like me. In other words, he says, I got heavens to rule over. I'm, I'm going to make earth. And I'm going to put others there to inhabit it. They're going to rule over earth. But I am the Lord though. I'm the king of it all. All of it belongs to me. There, I am the Lord and there's not another one like me. You will never have another king of the earth. You will never have another Lord of the earth, even if you elect him. Even if you put him in place, God says there's not another one like me. In other words, he says, I have no competition. I'm not fighting. God's not fighting the devil over your life. Let me talk to two people. God is not fighting the devil over your life. As far as God's concerned, he has no enemy over your life. As far as God's concerned, he's not trying to keep the devil away from you. Keep the devil from talking to you. Keep the devil out of your money. Keep the devil out of your marriage. Keep the devil from killing you. As far as God's concerned, there is no devil. It's just him. So why in the world are you concerned about a devil? 
Somebody shout concepts. Here's the concept. I am God. There's not another one like me. There is absolutely no one that challenges me. There's not another being who can teach me. There's not another being who can call me to task. There's no one that can bring war against me. There's no one who can sit me in a chair and counsel me. So why, Martin, would you spend time listening to anyone else but me? I have no competition in your life. Come on, say it with me. Whatever God going to do with me, he's going to do it with me. Whatever he wants to do through me, he's going to do it through me. Nothing's going to be able to stop him, and no one is going to be able to stop him. Look at your neighbor and say, are we clear? But there's a devil, there's a there's this thing going on, and there's these systems working against me. Have you heard what he said? He said it again. She said it again. There's trouble everywhere. This is a hostile planet. What are you listening to? You better get back to precept. So he made the earth. So that you would inhabit it, he would be the Lord. Now watch this. Why did he make you? Genesis 1.26. Why did he make you? Why did he make you? Why did he make you? Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock and over the earth and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's why you're here, lady. You're here to not just inhabit the earth he built. You're here to rule the earth he built with the list of things you can rule. And there are some things that's not on your list. If you're real bad, say this. Who going to rule all this? <laughs> you know you too much to rule. You don't even like it when Siri tells you what to do. He didn't put me on your list to rule. He didn't put my wife on my list to rule. Not one human being is on your list. They're your brothers. They're your sister. They're rulers like you. They have the same soul spirit. They have the same spirit to dominate and to rule on the earth. That's why you were made. Moving on. Here's the purpose for the nation, though. Maybe you never read it. Maybe you never read it. Exodus 19. Y'all still good? Third verse. Watch this now. 
Then Moses went up to God. I'm going to explain it in a minute. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain saying, Listen, Moses, I want you to... No, that's not what he said. He said, he said, he said Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Go talk to them and go tell the children of Israel. This is what I want you to tell them now. This is what I want to tell them. This is what I, this is what I want you to tell them. This is what I want you to tell them. This is important, y'all. Okay, okay, let me back up. This is important. Why is it important? Because just a few years ago, about 41 years ago, something woke up in Moses. He was 40 years old, and he went out to do the business of Pharaoh, his daddy. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. But when he went out this day, something different happened to him. He saw one of his men beating on a Hebrew slave. And in Moses, something happened. He just flipped. He said in an instant, this is not right and I got to do something about it. He did the wrong thing. He killed, he killed the man working for him doing what he trained him to do. Then he had to run. He ended up in the camp of Midian led by Jethro. And Jethro taught him, and you can even watch the movie, The Prince of Egypt. Jethro taught him, look at your life through heaven's eyes. Look at men through heaven's concepts. Took Moses 40 years. And when he was ready, he was watching the sheep. Then he saw a bush that was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. He, he saw a concept that God can use me mightily, but never use me up. If you say you're in ministry and you wore out and tired and all that other stuff, you ain't doing what God told you to do. God know how to use you without using you up. Another concept. Let me back up. He sees the bush and the bush is burning but not being consumed. And he's like, what's going on? I don't understand what's happening. God says, take off your shoes. I want to talk to you. And God stood there with Moses and he said, Moses, I'm getting ready to use you in a mighty way. I'm going to use you to go free my people. I'm going to use you to free. You, you messed up 40 years ago. Now I got you redeemed. Now I'm sending you back. Then Moses went back, remember, kissed his wife, Zephra. I'll be back. She said, you crazy. But go ahead and do what God told you to do. That's in another chapter. <laughs> Moses goes back. Plague after plague after plague. He frees God's people. It takes them now months. But God told him one thing. Bring the people back to where you saw me. His job was to bring them to the burning bush. So that God could talk to them. Now he's finally telling Moses what to say. Now that you're here, I want, you to, I want to tell you what I want you to tell the people. Here's what he said. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I did what? I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you 
I brought you to myself. <laughs> Next verse. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then now you're going to be, you're going to be a special treasure to above. Now, just in case you get it twisted, Moses, by telling these people they're going to be my people and not everybody else, I want you to understand the whole earth is mine. This ain't none of your business. I'm going to choose who I want to choose to bless. And right now I'm saying I, I want you to be the people I bless. Hold on just for a second now. I want you to be the people I bless. I don't want nobody else running around on earth blessed, more blessed than you. I don't want nobody living better than you. I don't want nobody doing better than you. This is my will that I'm going to bless you. You're going to be my people. Watch this. You shall be a special treasure to me above all people. All the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a... And a holy nation. These are the words in which you'll say. Now, y'all know what happened. God came to the... They came to the mountain. They came to the mountain, but the mountain wasn't a burning bush anymore. The whole mountain's on fire. God came down on the mountain, the whole mountain's on fire, everything's shaking, and then people are like, mm-mm, we don't want nothing to do with him. He mad at somebody. <laughs> they rejected the concept. But listen to what God says. I delivered you from Egypt. I brought you out of sin, and I brought you to Mount Sinai. I brought you, he brought them to himself. He gave them a condition of obedience. You have the same condition. If you obey him, if you live the way he says you should live, if you live that way, if you live according to the scripture, if you live the way that is pleasing to him, and that is simply concept. Pleasing to God doesn't mean perfect. Ask David, somebody. It simply means, do you understand what I want and why? Watch this now. I'm going to make you a special people. You're special to me. You ever been, you ever been, you ever been, uh, every now and then, I go look at real expensive houses. Always done that. Always done that. Always done that. When we were in a rental house, we went to look at a $100,000 house. Like, Baby, look at that. I, mean, I didn't even know people had that kind of stuff in the house. You ever go look at a $5 million house? The stuff in a $5 million house is like, who would put that in here? Right. Who, who, who does this? Right. Who puts an indoor pool in a house in Omaha, Nebraska? Indoor. Yeah. Indoor, 3,000 square feet just for the pool. Yeah. Who does this? Somebody said, me. <laughs> Somebody said me. It's like, it's like, who does this kind of stuff? It's so that you can get concepts of how others can live. What doors are open for you? How God can make you a special treasure. The one thing I noticed, and I said to my wife, in my next house, I want some of these. It was holes in the wall. That's what I called them. Okay, there were holes in the walls. 
with lights in the top of it. Shining down on one little thing. I'm like, what is this? It's a hole in the wall. My wife said, honey, it's called a niche. I sat down in a $3 million house and I say, baby, tell me what a niche is. I sat down. I sat down on the leather couch. The realtor's like, I don't think we're supposed to sit down. I said, I got to learn. I can't be ignorant always because I want me a house with a few of them in it. But what are they? Talk to me. My wife, my wife who loves me, sat down next to me on the couch. She said, let me tell you what a niche is. She said, a niche is a spot in your house where you want to put emphasis on something that's a treasure to you. It's a place in your house that every time you walk in, it's got its own light. You can turn off every light in the house. But that light shines right down on that one thing and says to everybody, that must be special to them. I said, I want me some niches. She said, what you going to put in them? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but I want me some. Now I got some niches in my house. I got some niches in my house with special stuff in it. It may not be the stuff you put in it, but it's the stuff I put in it. It's the promises of my grandmother and her grandparents. It's the promises of people who spoke to us underneath the light. God says, I want to make you a people. And I want to put you underneath the light in my house. That when everybody looks at me, they see you. That you shine everywhere you go. Somebody shout to God. I walked in this house and the owner was there. He had a niche. I wanted to know what was that thing under the niche. Because it didn't really make any sense to me. The man was so gracious, he came out and he said, you want to know what that is? I said, yes, sir, I do. I want to know what that is. I want to understand how important it is to you. He said, that's an art piece. And then he named the name of an artist. And I'm like, that is wonderful. I don't remember the name. I'm not into that kind of stuff. He said, that piece of art is worth more than the whole house. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. I wrote a sermon to myself that day and I said heaven is not the most important thing to God maybe I am maybe I am the most important thing to God maybe it's not the house of God that's the most important thing maybe there's something about me that makes God smile maybe there's something about me that make God lift his head maybe there's something about me that God says you are my special treasure get your head up square your shoulders walk around in this world like you own it let me finish teaching. Let me, let me finish this. Let me finish this. Then he said, then he said, you're my choice. But then he said, if we're going to get this right, you have to be a kingdom of priests. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you for preaching with me, Chad. <laughs> oh, he says, this ain't going to work unless you're kings and priests. 
Y'all better help me. You better come with me this morning. He said it's not going to work if you're just a priest. And it's not going to work if you're just a king. You got to be both. Hold on now. Don't let me make you mad. But I want to teach you for just a minute. I was in a meeting in it with a bunch of preachers and they were well known. Don't know how I got in the room, but I did what I was told by Dr. Monroe. I sat in the back and I didn't say a word. But it was everybody on TBN, Word Network, all these networks, they were there, about 75 of them. And they were talking about church. And then one prominent preacher said, Preacher, you're a priest. Stop trying to be a king. Then he said, raise up kings in your church. So I'm listening and my toes are curling up in my shoes. But I'm waiting for his definition. He said, a priest is one who goes before God for the people. He or she offers sacrifices. Their work is the house of God. I said, right on, brother. Priest, the Levite who serves God's house, who knows how to fast and pray, who knows. Then he described a king. He said, a king is a very wealthy person that has leadership in the city and runs businesses. They're in government. They're in politics. They write checks. I said, right on, brother. Then he said, you can't be both. It ain't my meeting. I'm a little boy in the meeting, so I did what a little boy should do. I shut up and I listened. But I tell you what I did once I left that meeting. I told God myself, man, you got to have a conversation. Because if that's what you want, I can't do that. I can't be a poor preacher. I was made to be wealthy, so you decide which one you want me to be. You want me to be a king? Or do you want me to be a priest? He said to me, wait until your father's out of the meeting and ask him. Dr. Monroe went into a smaller meeting. He texted me from the meeting. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing whatever you're doing. He said, I need you to take me someplace. I'm not riding with them. I'm going to ride with you. I said, yes, sir. He got in the car and he said, Listen to me, son. I said, Did, who made you mad? <laughs> scared me. He scared me. Because I don't, I don't like my daddy being mad at me. Y'all might be all right with that, but I ain't, I ain't trying to do all that. Mm-mm. He said, put the car in park. Yes, sir. He said, don't you believe one word you heard in there? Hey, my toes uncurled in my shoes. So my daddy getting ready to tell me what's really happening right here. Dr. 
Dr. Monroe started preaching in my car. He said, son, I want to tell you about David, the king priest who put on an ephod, gave sacrifices in the house of God, and then wrote a $70 billion check when it was time to work. He said, I want to tell you about Joseph who knew how to go into the temple and worship and then go into the world and have rulership over the world. He said, son, you have to be both. I'm telling you today, you're supposed to be both. I'm telling you this morning, you're supposed to be both. Somebody say, I'm a priest. I am a priest. I know how to pray. I know how to seek God. I know how to give sacrifices. But say, I'm also a king. I'm very wealthy. I'm very successful. I can run business. I can shout. And I can plan. He says, you are church and state. Say it, I'm church and I'm state. Shout concepts. That's his concept. So when I meet people now and they say, I got a lot of books on my bookshelf, y'all can sit, I got a lot of books on my bookshelf of people who I admire and the title of the books, Kings and Priests, they all have the same concept. That's not God. And my job as your pastor is to be, when we need money to build, I'm supposed to come to the kings and say to the kings of the church, you know, I don't really have any money. The church really doesn't have any money. I need y'all to give us some money so we can build. I ain't got no problem with that. But I want to be sitting at the table with the kings. I want to be sitting where the kings are sitting. I want to be making judicial decisions. I want to be making financial decisions where I work. I want to be involved in the policies where I work. I want to be involved in making the rules where I work. You are called to be king too. Is that too much? That's okay. I'll move on. Then he said, you are a holy nation. Holy simply means set aside, sanctified. Doesn't mean long dresses and no earrings. Some of the most wicked people. <laughs> Have suits on with white shirts. The lady that came after me in my own church as a little boy for years, came after me for years, always wore a long dress with long sleeves, no makeup, no earrings. She was holy. But she always wanted me to be at her house to do little stuff. Huh? She was holy though. And one day I told her, I said, I didn't tell my sister and I'm not telling the pastor, I'm going to tell you. And I told her these words, you're the nastiest woman I've ever seen. And you need to take off that white dress put on something short and go on down to the jig joint where you belong. 
You disrespected her. No, she disrespected me. Putting on holy garb and be... Okay. What is a nation? A nation is a group of people who practice the same cultures, laws, and customs. A nation is made up of several races, several ethnoses, several groups of people who come together and decide to practice the same cultures, the same laws, the same customs. God says you're going to be a holy nation to me. We are his nation. We are part of his nation around the world. We are part of that kingdom nation that God is leading. And we are separate, holy, different. So now, let me finish up this concept I started last Sunday in 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 4. Listen to this concept again. All the elders came to Samuel. You remember that from last Sunday? They said, your boys are wrong. We don't want them. Give us a king. Verse 19. Watch this now. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, now listen to what they said. They said, number one, no, we don't care what you're saying, but we will have a king over us. What's the problem with that? What would we just read? God says, there's not another one like me. But we want another one. We don't want you. We want another one. You reading it? Listen to the concept. Next, they said, that we also may be like the other nations. He just told them, I don't want you to be like any other nation. You're not like them. You're not like the other salesmen where you work. You're not like the other teachers in the school. You're not like the other barbers. You're not like the other tech IT workers. You're not like them. You're a part of a different nation, God says. They said, we also would like to be like the other nations. Next, they said, and that our king may judge us. God just told them, I'm your king. Then I made you like me. You don't need anyone to judge means tell us what to do. He says, you don't need anybody to tell you what to do. I put it in you to know what to do. You have the right concepts. You don't need anybody telling you how to obey me. Then they said these words, and we need somebody to go out and fight for us in battle. How dumb is you? That you just saw a God bring flies where they shouldn't have been. Turn water to blood. Bring hell down from heaven. Make one side of the street dark and the other side of the street with light. You just saw him deliver you and now you want a king with a spear. You want a king with a gun. You want a king with a bullet. Instead of a king who rules this whole universe. They said, yep, that's what we want.
That's what we want. We don't want this invisible king. We don't want self-leadership. We need someone to tell us what to do. We don't want to operate on our ideas. We don't want to operate on personal power. We don't want that. We want a king to judge us, to rule us, to fight for us. We don't want you. And that's why we have to repent. That, that, that's, can, do you think we can go back, y'all? See, that's why Matthew 14, 17 is so important. When it simply says, from that time, Jesus said this was his message. Repent, y'all. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has returned. It's here. What does repent mean? Y'all ever been to a penthouse? It's the top of the building. What does re mean? Go back. Repent simply means go back to the top. We've got to repent. We've got to go back to the top of God's concepts for us. Am I making sense? I think I am. So let me finish this up. This is what makes us a nation. I want to take a new look. I want to take a new look at the scriptures. It's going to be good now. It's going to be good. 1 Peter 2.17. Watch this. Watch now. As believers, you know his great worth. Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to you. But for those who do not believe, watch. The stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the chief cornerstone. What is that? What is that stone, y'all? What is the concept of that stone? Jesus is king. They rejected Jesus who brought the message of the kingdom. You with me? Watch this. Watch this. The stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone. Watch this. And a stone that the makers themselves stumbled and a rock to trip over. They tripped over it. They keep stumbling over the message because they refuse to believe it. And this they were destined to do. Watch him now. But you are God's chosen treasure. In the world, you're in a niche. You are set apart. No, no, no. But you are God's chosen treasure. You are priests. You are priests who are also, you don't know nothing about what I'm talking about. You didn't feel nothing in your toes, nothing in your head. And I know some of you by now, you're waiting for me to tell you Jesus is coming soon. He ain't coming till you're a king and a priest. You are priests who are kings. You are a spiritual nation. You are set apart for God's, as God's devoted ones. Watch him now. Watch. Watch. Listen, listen to what he done. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Now, and now he claims 
you as his. Now let's get down to brass tacks. He did this, why? What did he say? Why did he do it? Why did he make you a nation? Why did he make you a chosen people? Why did he do it? He chose you as a nation so that you would broadcast to the world his He made you his powerful people so he could give earth to you so that you could show everybody how wonderful God is. He didn't save you to be cute. He didn't save you to take you away from here. He saved you so that you would be his kingdom of priests on earth. And show his glorious wonders. What is a wonder? A wonder is when you can walk into a business that's fallen apart. Into an office that has mayhem. Into a medical center. I watched my wife. See, one day I was at work at UNO. And the Holy Spirit said, just go be with your wife for a bit. So I called her. And I said, you want to have lunch? She said, yeah, I like to have lunch. But when I got to where she was, she was working for then Emmanuel Hospital. She was at a building, and I didn't know it. She was at a building she was building. I heard about it at home, but I'd never seen it. I walked up on this building, and they're in like stage three or four. The walls are being done, drywall's going up, and my wife was meeting with the decorators. I said, oh, my God, my, my wife is bad. And she was saying, no, these are the colors of the wall. They match what's happening in this part of the city. This is the furniture I want. Now, these are going to be our practices. She had already hired the staff. There were five doctors there, three or four nurses, and a few administrators, and she was instructing them. She said, this would be our attitude in this office. And I'm looking at her on Monday, talking to these people, and I'm thinking yesterday, Millie was in the pulpit, and my wife was on the, on the floor. We had to throw sheets on her. I'm like, so indignant. You need to cover yourself up when you're in church, girl. You got on a dress. You can't be walking around. You can't be just laying on the floor like that in church. You, you got to be holy. You's a holy woman. You is the pastor's wife. My wife all on the floor, rolling on the floor that Sunday before. And I'm like, girl get up off the floor poor ushers poor I mean poor I mean poor David uh, 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 whatever his name Shafan and them everybody just throwing blankets throwing blankets passing out throwing off the blanket and rolling on the floor I'm like oh my Jesus when are we going to ever get out of this so I got up to try to preach hoping she would calm down no she done took over the whole service can't preach can't do nothing Pastor Nell so indignant so embarrassing and now on Monday I'm standing in front of her saying uh no See, what we need to do, and I'm not sure that wall is straight. Uh, the reason we hired you is for this reason. We want you to come to this building so that you can help us reach this neighborhood. I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Is you the same woman I saw yesterday up in church with embarrassing me? It was too much for me. I'm telling you the truth. It was too much for me. And she looked at me on that site. And she said, this is why I roll on the floor. This is why I shout before God. This is why I speak in tongues. This is why I lift my hands 
friends in church because I know tomorrow I'm going to face some things that I don't know how to do. I need wisdom from on high. I need knowledge that comes from God. I need to know what God wants me to do in this place. Somebody shout. Give me a little bit more here. I said somebody shout. If you believe God's getting ready to take you someplace, well, you're going to need a little bit more than that. You ought to do some of that. You ought to lift your hands every now and then. You ought to praise God like it's going out of style every now and then. You ought to get on the floor and roll a few times. You ought to speak in tongues. You ought to lift your hands. You ought to give God praise. minutes but why don't you take two of them and just bless God right there Woo! hey 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 man 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 glory to God glory to God listen let me let me ask you something is there anybody here that know that you are a priest already but you feel God turning you into a king you feel God stirring you up on the inside. You feel God warming up your brain. You're beginning to have different ideas. You're beginning to think different. You're beginning to open up your mind to the concepts of God. Say to God, thank you for making me a king. Thank you, Lord, for making me a king. I'm ready for kingdom. Okay, 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 okay. Verse 15, stick with me. Give me five more minutes. First, watch this now. Verse 15, watch what he says. Read it loud. For if it is God's will for you, It's God's will for you to. It's God's will for you. It's God's will for you. At the bank, it's God's will for you. At the hospital, it's God's will for you. In that nursing home, it's God's will for you. Everywhere you go, it's your job. To silence. Silence the voice of the dumb. Silence the voice of those who don't know what to do. Silence the voice of those who are in charge but don't know how to take charge. By doing what? By doing what? By doing. You can't do what's right unless you're in charge. If you're not in charge, it's just a suggestion. Silence the voice of the ignorant by doing what's right. To do what's right, you got to lead the student council at school. 
To do what's right, you've got to begin to scale and become the best at what you do. So that others will follow you. Can I just say this? We live in this world as Christians. And we're told all the time, this world, I'm from the country, Mississippi. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just a sojourner on my way home. I'm on my way home and I might have to cry sometimes. Huh? This world is not going to be a kind place for you, Martin. You just want to make it through and make it to heaven. So we can be told, just survive earth, make it to heaven. Do the best you can on earth. Don't worry about it. You may not have shoes here, but when you get to heaven, you're going to get some shoes. Y'all don't know nothing about this. You you do have a robe, but but, but you don't have royalty here. Now, but when you get there, you're going to be able to put on your robe. You're going to be able to put on your shoes. And all this is the wrong concept. You're not going to have feet in heaven, so you don't have those shoes there. Okay? If they give you a robe, they're going to put it on you. It's going to fall. Your spirit. It's not you ain't got no shoulders. You ain't got no body. You ain't got none of that. You won't be able to walk around because you don't have feet. You, 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 it's, it's none of that. There are no golden streets in heaven. The golden streets are in the next world we're about to build. You better read your Bible. So they can tell you all this, and none of it's true. Two professional football umpires wrote a book called The Scorecard. And they wanted to find out, is there such thing as a home field advantage? They're they're referees. What they studied was there's really a true thing called home field advantage. Close to 60% of all baseball games played at home are won. 57 or so percent of football games played at home are won by the home team. So they figured out there's a home field advantage, but they didn't know why. So they took a few more years and they studied the crowds, they studied the the referees, they studied everything. And this is what they found out. The players on the field don't get the home field advantage. It doesn't come from them. It doesn't come from the opponent crowd in the stands. The home field advantage comes from the fans who came to see them. That have you ever watched a ball game and your team is about to lose and everybody in the stands at the home field get up and start yelling, beating on something. All of a sudden you feel 
You're at home and you can feel the emotion shift at the game. What these referees admitted was that they feel it too. <laughs> and they said they can't help it sometimes for giving the advantage to the team that's at home. It's not what they're trained to do. It's not even what they're supposed to do. It is against the rules. They call it uncommon and unruly favor. It's favor they're giving to the home team that the home team should not have. You think you're in this world by yourself. But I read a scripture. I read a scripture. <laughs> I read a scripture that says, do you understand what this means? All of these cloud of witnesses that are in heaven. All of these people who are in heaven are cheering us on. And they're saying to us, earth is not hostile to you. There is nothing that can work against you here. It may work against them, but they're not special. It may work against them because they're not called. It may work against them because they're not the nation. It may work against them because they're not in my niche. But you're in my niche. And now Moses, Aaron, Abraham, Isaac, everybody's in heaven right now cheering for us who are here, giving us home field advantage. Earth may not be your home, but it is the place you were sent to dominate. Earth, you may not stay here forever, but it's the place of your power. Earth, you may not be here eternally, but it's the place of your dominion. This is what I saw, Chad. This is what I saw. This is what I saw. This is what I saw. I saw, I saw a ball field, but it was church. Whatever you got to do, I don't know what y'all go to the one or y'all go to the everything, but I want all y'all to come in on that. I want you to come in too. I want you to come in too at the same time. You hear what I'm saying? And I want it to be loud. I want it to be loud. So you pick your key. I'm going to count to three and I want all y'all to come in on the same thing. I'm going to let them put that together because we ain't practice. But on the count of three, I want them to hit that key and I want you to act like you're at a football game but you're at church. I want you to act like you're at a basketball game, but you're at church. But I want you to act like, I want you to act like you got somebody cheering for you. I want you to act like the saints who went on before you, the people who went ahead of you, the people who held up the bloodstained banner, the people who held up the kingdom, preached the gospel, the people who built churches before us, the people who led your Sunday school, the people who preached in the pulpit, the people who led prayer meetings, who led dance ministry back in the day. I want you to act like they're cheering us on. That earth is the place of our power. That earth is the place of our dominion. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I want you to act like you may have been behind before, but you're not behind anymore. You're in the right place doing the right thing. You got the right concepts in your head. You got the right concepts in your spirit. And you're ready to be king, priest, and God. Are y'all ready? One, two, three. Hit that note.
to the saints in heaven, encourage them that you would be encouraged too. 